welcome back, Double Teamed fam. This is Cami, and of course, Nikki is here today with us. But first, I wanted to introduce a special guest we have today, Nick Vile. Um, you might know him from The Bachelor or maybe his very own podcast, The Vile Files. We're so thankful to have you here today. And we've heard the topic of non-monogamy kind of skirt around your podcast a little bit. So we're kind of excited to dive into that a little bit more with you today. And yeah, so Nick, are you ready to get double teamed? Uh, I think so, you know, <laughs> but either way, happy to be here. Perfect. Thank you. Nikki here, guys. Okay, so one of the questions that I definitely had for you when I thought about this episode, you don't see a lot of ethical non-monogamy in the media, TV shows, movies, etc. There's not a lot of representation of it. But I've always watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise even, and I've always thought of it as kind of a, a loose version of solo polyamory because basically, you know, towards the end of the show, you're dating three, four people, you know, they're, they're full on relationships, you're meeting their parents, you know, if you took out that whole final rose aspect of it, I look at it as solo poly. So my question to you would be, have you ever considered your experience on The Bachelor as a loose version of polyamory? I mean, I guess I never put that much thought into it. I just always thought of it as generally unrealistic for people who don't participate mm -hmm. in, in that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I didn't even feel like I was at the time just because as The Bachelor, you're kind of doing a whole lot of kind of trying to manage these relationships and film a TV show. And it's all very one-sided in terms of your ability to validate feelings or express yourself and things like that. So again, I, I've never been in a non-traditional relationship, but it definitely, it wasn't like I ever had a moment where I felt like now I know what it would be like to be in one. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. If that makes sense. Yeah, Just absolutely. because none of the relationships ever feel like a, like a real relationship outside of the, mm -hmm. of the show. It's, it's just hard to explain. No, I get that because you're kind of in its own little world, right? Yeah, there, it, there's so many obstacles. Yeah, so it, it wasn't like, yeah, I, I never, I had nothing to compare it to, but it didn't feel like that's what it would be. Makes sense. So did it, was it kind of hard to manage all those relationships at once? Because I know for a lot of people as they enter polyamory or ethical non-monogamy of any sort, kind of that initial shock of having to suddenly, you know, you go from like you have one partner and you're all happy and then you're like, let's open up. And now you've got multiple people and then this is the first time you're doing it and it can get kind of overwhelming. Is that what you felt along the way? What were the emotions in there? It depends. Like for me, I, I definitely had someone, I knew kind of who I was going to end up with as the season progressed. And so I was, I had the mindset of very much prioritizing that relationship and protecting that relationship and everything else was secondary mm -hmm. as it related to the TV show. But like a lot of my energy was trying to just be protective of everyone's feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, not only the relationship I was trying to cultivate with the person I w was planning on choosing and hoping that they would choose me back, but also knowing that I wasn't going to choose some of the other person. Like I was constantly in my head about, you know, how, you know, I was being very careful with what I was going to say mm -hmm. or not say. And I was constantly managing feelings. I would be curious of if that's how people in 
polyam is it polyamorous? Yeah, polyamorous. Or mm-hmm. non-monogamous relationships feel like you're you're constantly juggling jealousy. You know, I don't know if that exists, but in that world, it does because it does, yeah. no one in that world wants to be in a ethical non-monogamous relationship. They all want to be in a monogamous relationship. So there's a right. lot of contradictions in that world. Well, I mean. There's still jealousy and, and all those emotions tied to normal relationships. Or I shouldn't say normal because ethically non-monogamous can still be normal one day. But you still have those same feelings in polyamorous relationships. And it's funny that you use the term secondary because that is something that we use as well in the poly world where, you know, you have your primary partner, for example, I would be my husband's primary partner. And then you have your secondaries, which would be, you know, whether that's just friends with benefits or casual relationships or even full on like boyfriends and girlfriends and and relationships. And so that is something that in the poly world, we also have to manage quite a bit as well as the feelings of all the people that are kind of in those secondary roles. Do you want it to ever be thought of as normal? I would love if it was one day thought of as normal or at least something that wasn't so like Do you think it would take out the excitement of it? No, I don't think so. No, not at all. In fact, I would love if I could just like walk down the street with three husbands and no one would even bat an eye. That would be phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Why are you laughing? I'm picturing back your three finance dudes and the plumber. Oh, the three tech dudes. Okay. We joked once about how if, if I were to have my three men in my life, I would choose... I said a plumber and an accountant because, you know, it's nice to have a handyman and someone that can do, you know, all the financial stuff. Uh-huh. But my friend recommended three tech dudes, you know, for money. Do you power. both have multiple partners or you just have one? Like, how does that work? So I have I have a husband that would technically be my primary. And then I have that you had like a ceremony with. Yes, full on. Vows and weddings yep. and a proposal. Where's your that? wedding ring? I'm not wearing it currently. Dear God. I don't wear it a lot. Because you have a date with. <laughs> I, I do have a date later, actually. With yeah. a non-husband? Uh, actually, it's with a couple. I have a date with a couple later. So I date couples, too. So it, it's a whole, there's a lot of flexibility Is that here. why you're not wearing the ring? I don't know. If I'm going on a date with someone, I won't wear it. Just because out of, like, I don't want to throw it in their face like, oh, I'm married. Like, they know. I, I make them aware of it. But I also like to, hmm. you know, just kind of present myself as available, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Interesting. No, no, it is interesting. But yeah, I mean, one of the other more recent, I guess, examples of ethical non-monogamy that I, at least that I saw, and you talked about it in one of your episodes, the show Sex Life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you did your 300th episode on that. I did. Yeah. Yep. With, I forget your guest's name, but she was the stepmother in Parent Trap, I uh, believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because when I listened to that episode, I was really curious to see what you had to say about it. And... And I, I thought you pointed out some good parts of the show and everything. Some of the things you guys discussed, I definitely agreed with. But you said you didn't like the ending, which I didn't like the ending either. But the whole Terrible time, ending. it was, I agree. But the whole time I looked at it and I was like, why not just enter an ethically non-monogamous relationship? And I remember your guest brought that up to you. Missy? Yeah, she did. And you had questioned what the term was. I remember that. I mean, I get, I get why that would work. <laughs> It would. So then she could have both, both, right? Yeah, but it only works if, I mean, I don't know how the, I don't know how those conversations start. Like when you met your husband while you were dating, was it already an open relationship or did you guys both transition to one? We transitioned into it. So we were together four years and then. What was the catalyst? Like who brought it up? So we're both pilots. We travel a lot for work. And I just moved out here for a job. And he was still back at Kansas where we lived at the time. And we had been spending more time apart than normal. 
which I mean, we've always been used to long distance, but it was more so. And so I just remember we were both kind of had that general feeling of like, I think we would be okay if we like talked about this, you know. They needed sex. Yeah, exactly. You so brought it up. <laughs> no, no, no. He brought it up. And the second he and a did a phone call. Yeah, it was over over the phone. And the second he did, I was like, Oh, thank God. Yes, let's do this. So we talked about it, set our boundaries, had those discussions. So in the show, I think she could like if they had a discussion about it and said, Hey, here are my needs, let's talk about it. It could have been. I mean, I'm no expert, obviously, in non-traditional relationships, but I don't know if you'd want to have a toxic relationship from your past be the catalyst for why you would want to enter into one. I agree with that completely because I didn't think that her relationship with the dude, I can't remember what his name was, from before was necessarily. With Brad? Yeah, Brad. That's what it was. Something I didn't like watch that. the show, to be honest. And she should. I thought it was a good show. Even though I didn't like the ending, I thought it was a good show. It's worth watching. Yeah, definitely. I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm more of a, a reader myself, but yeah. But I agree, it, it shouldn't. he shouldn't be the one to enter that with, but she can still go find that, you know, exciting, sexy experience with someone else. Yeah, but it was more him. Yeah, I know she wanted him, but I, I feel like she still could have taken care of her needs elsewhere. Oh, she didn't seem to really enjoy the sex party they went to. Okay, so actually funny that you bring that up. Um, I loved that in your episode when you discussed the sex party, you said that you felt it wasn't a good representation of sex parties. Yeah, I've never community. been to one, but I definitely felt like they really shit on sex parties. They did. They don't. I've been to plenty, and they don't go like that. Like, there's no violence, and you wouldn't just like blow you know, have a girl blow you while your wife's crying in the corner like that's not how it yeah, goes yeah like i can see i understand the concept of non-traditional relationships and and how couples can utilize them to benefit their own like i understand the premise i haven't participated in it mm -hmm. but i can logically understand why it turns people on mm -hmm. but i don't think making your partner cry at a sex party, yeah. Um, I think that requires a level of fucked upness from someone. If making them cry is what gets you turned on, that, that seems like a lot of therapy would be required. I think it's supposed to like turn you on, not... It shouldn't be used as punishment, I don't feel like, but that's just me. No, I agree. I mean, unless you're in the dom sub world and you're into that, I get it. And we but love even, punishment. But like even... <laughs> but not that kind. <laughs> emotional pun. Like, yeah, I mean, I get the like, Pens. are you supposed to be crying? I don't mind if I should. If a I tear. get slapped hard enough. I well, I don't. <laughs> no, I mean like... Emotional. Like yes. emotional pain. So, um, yeah. So in the show, Cammie, yeah. to kind of clue you in because you haven't watched it. Basically, the wife is like having... She's not very thrilled about this sex party that they're at. And so, but why the, did they go in the first place? They, the neighbors brought them. They're, they're, oh, their right. neighbors are a part of it. And they're this kind of couple that's going through a lot of problems. And so they both are brought there with a lot of baggage. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a weird, it's like really weird. They really did a disservice to the. They did. They I really agree. did. Because what do we always preach? You know, be, be secure in yourself. Don't try. Yeah, you have to parties. be secure in yourself before you enter ethical non-monogamy. You really do. I remember watching that scene and thinking, like, people are not going to want to go to sex parties because of this. They're going to think, like, it's violent and they're awkward. Like, I remember when they were, like, making out, everyone was, like, turning and staring at them. And I'm like, people don't just... I mean, yeah, you can watch as people are having sex. I love watching. But... Where do you 
find these parties. Well, like if, actually, I I w- w- if I wanted to go on, I wouldn't even know. Do you like, is this a Yelp thing? No, 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 Google no. it? Do you need like a secret? Do you need a friend? Like, I'm friend? curious. Would you attend one? Is that something that like people? It's not something that I'm interested in doing. Mm-hmm. But I, if you said, would you ever go? I can't say that I would never go. But it's not something I'm actively looking to go. But that makes I, sense. The, I'm. It's fun I to If I ever were wanting to, I wouldn't even know where to begin to find one. That's fair. Okay, so I have two friends. They host quite a few, and that's whose parties I attend. But then we're they're like house parties. Yeah, they're house parties. But we were also members of a club that hosts sex parties. Interesting. And so in LA here. Yeah, here. they're in LA. There's actually quite oh, a few. I in don't LA. that I don't doubt. I feel like LA was probably has the most per capita or New York. Maybe? Uh, New York has quite a few clubs as well. Well, yeah, because they have some of the same ones that... Yeah, there's one that's here that has a location in Miami. Like a franchise. Kind of. Interesting. Yeah. Are there sub and dom clubs and parties? Oh, yes. I know. Granted, I've only been to one so far, but... And that was a lot of fun. I did go with my daddy, so... My dom. My dom. I call him daddy. But he did come with me and we went together and that was an experience. Now, granted, he and I are monogamous. But that's still how a lot of people enter non-monogamy is they go to like a sex party and just some people like to... We were just giving it a taste. Yeah, yeah. Some people like to just go and watch. Some people like to like have sex in the vicinity of others and or they'll try kind of a soft swap situation as they go for the first time. So, yeah. There is one here that you apply. Most of them you have to apply. Send some pictures, like say what you do, put your name. It's very. You have to apply. You can't just show up. Yeah, you have you to apply. You might be accepted. I think he definitely would <laughs> of be. Of course you would. <laughs> but you apply and then from there. Oh, yeah, I'm just asking for the average. Joe. Yeah. Well, no, I'm explaining the process. You apply. I think from you there. should still consider going to at least one. Yeah. They just, send you like their events. They send you like the password to go buy the tickets or whatever. And then you do that. And then you show up to the address that they give you like two days before. And if you're worried about discretion, because I know you're a public figure, the last one I went to, there was a very famous rapper who attended. Yeah, people in the public eye are not totally... They take your phone away and everything. Like, you can't... Yeah, they are fun. I'm good at the moment, but, like, someday... Never know. They, yeah, they're fine. I think we'll store that information for later. Yeah. Okay. Is it like like a nightclub where like if you're a guy, you need to know someone, but but if you're a, a, a woman, it's easier to get in or uh, no? You can buy a ticket as a single girl, but if you want to go as a guy, you have to bring a girl with you. Interesting. Granted, why is that? Because they want more girls there you know they don't want yeah to be but i've already just a bunch of horny dudes who just yeah exactly like, yeah. yeah i've already brought this topic up though the recharge rate between guys and girls you need more dudes honestly i feel what recharge oh like okay I get yeah it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the recharge rate is what i call it no but yeah i would say you probably need more dudes there but yeah but they like to have more nobody agrees with std tests to show up to this thing they don't but i always test really? before and after yeah it's just like an honor system it is kind of an honor system. I would say people in the ethically non-monogamous community, we got to think of another word because that's, that's a mouthful. It's a mouthful. The e- E-N-M. Yeah. The, the E-N-M acronym is E-N-M. Yeah, E-N-M. So people in the E-N-M community tend to be very safety conscious. So It makes sense, but yeah. God, I don't know if I'm just down for like... You wear, there are condoms everywhere. Trusting. You wear it. condoms with everyone. Like, okay, so yeah. the, the yeah. safe sex is practice. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you have to. Yeah. yeah. Even in oral? I don't usually partake in oral at sex parties, but um, I will say I don't see a lot of oral. I guess, I guess you kind of do, but yeah, no, not an oral. So you got that's kind of like a personal thing. So for oh, me, sure. I don't. I try not to practice oral when I go to sex parties. 
but you wear condoms. It's about as safe as you can go. I get tested before, after. That's kind of the process. Yeah, I just, my anxiety would just <laughs> a lot. No, I understand that. I think especially for, you know, when you're in a monogamous relationship, you know, you're probably not getting tested as often. You have one partner, so you don't really worry about it. So but you can still do it once a year. Yep. But if you're making that transition, for I like can understand. For like trust issues? No, no. Just for safety. For safety. Yeah. If you're in a monogamous relationship and you just know you've only had sex with each other and, you know, you mm -hmm. just... It's still great to get tested. You can, why? You can still get some of the bacterial ones. From? Just say other. you go like anal to vaginal. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. That could cause like BV. So bacterial vaginosis. That's not a fun one to get. Granted, it doesn't really affect the guy, but it affects the girl. Then you can give you yeast infections. That's not fun either. Yeah. So it's good to, to get tested anyways. Good to know. And I remember when I was reading online, I don't know if it was the CDC recommended it even once a year or just the doctor who wrote the paper that I was reading said even monogamous couples should get tested once a year. I mean, I definitely think, you know, because like everyone cheats, but... You think everyone <laughs> cheats? No, I don't think everyone, but I think unfortunately there is a lot of infidelity in monogamous relationships. Absolutely. And I, I, I would guess, suspect that a great deal of them are unidentified. So to speak. Would you? So, have you ever considered that the solution to infidelity would be ethical non-monogamy? No. Interesting. You know, as a human being with needs and feelings and and miscommunication, it makes sense why someone might uh, find themselves in a situation that creates a greater likelihood to cheat. You know what I'm saying? Maybe right, they're right. not getting their needs met emotionally or physically or, or whatever. It's an outlet, but nevertheless, it's still a choice that, mm -hmm. that they make and you can opt out of the relationship before you cheat. I understand marriage is, it's different, more difficult to just simply break up, mm -hmm. but you know, holding yourself accountable for difficult decisions in life. And I, I guess what I mean by that is like, I think it takes a type of person to want, you know, like you said, you don't have to be securing yourself. There has to be a lot of communication. And then in relationships where there's cheating and infidelity, there's not a lot of security and there's mm -hmm. not a lot of communication. So, right. yeah, I don't suspect that for the people who are cheating on their spouses, that open relationship is a solution. No, I agree with that. I guess where I, where my mind goes there is if your needs aren't being met in a relationship, then that's where you need to have that communication and say, okay, my sexual needs aren't being met for this reason. You know, maybe they spend a lot of time apart. Maybe they have kids and, you know, they're, or, you know, they're busy, whatever that looks like. And so then from there, that's where you could have a communication, a time to communicate that your needs aren't being met. And then from there, have the opportunity to discuss, okay, well, how can we fix this? How can we make sure that your needs are met? What am I okay with? What are you okay with in that regard? Yeah, I, I suspect in some cases, like in that, especially like in your case, you travel a lot and there's physical needs. And so I think in certain cases, yes, it can. But I think as an overall, like, let's solve infidelity by normalizing open relationships. I don't know if that would solve the problem. In fact, I could see how it would create more... <laughs> To your, your point, like I think it takes a very special and unique and very confident couple and, and individual to participate in these types of relationships. It's a fascinating lifestyle. And Lifestyle's like I said, I do, I do think it's definitely, I think it absolutely can work for the right person. And I think it can definitely be a solution for, for people. But like I said, I just don't see a world where it would ever be quote unquote, I mean, normal, it depends on what you mean by normal. 
I think it's become more and more normalized, you know, especially if you compare it to five or 10 or 15 years ago. Like, oh, I'd agree with that. More common. More common. More commonly yeah. practiced, yeah. But I don't think there's anything wrong with things being considered non-traditional or necessarily not the norm, norm being the majority, I guess. But yeah, I think it's it's uh, quite fascinating. And like I said, I can definitely see the benefits for certain people. And like, yeah, I've had a few people call in on my Ask Nick episodes who've asked about it. And you know, it's a very small sample size. But again, it seems like it, it still can create a, a lot of challenges. I mean, just a level of communication that has to constantly happen, at least from my perception, has to be so significant. And I think we, you know, it's very tough to have very honest conversations with your partner for everyone. I mean, it's just challenging. I would say instead of challenging, more intense. I always say E&M can be kind of a pressure cooker for whatever you have going on in your relationship or like for growth in general. So it is like, especially when you enter ethically or E&M relationships, suddenly you have to face a lot of things all at once. And so like your communication has to grow, your emotional awareness, all of that, it all has like suddenly just has to build and, and, and be established. And maybe it was there, but now you have to build upon it in order to maintain those relationships, which kind of brings me into something that I wanted to ask you about. Because I always, when I listen to your Ask Nick, and which I've been tuning into for a long time, and then also um, just a lot of the advice that you give on Instagram and stuff when you do your Q&As, it always seems like you have a really sound mind, you have a lot of emotional awareness, and um, you communicate very well, which again, those are things that are definitely needed in ethically non-monogamous relationships. Now, for men, it can be hard sometimes to find men that like excel in communication and emotional awareness just because I feel like at least from my perspective, you know, emotions are seen as feminine. Men are not supposed to be feminine. They're supposed to be masculine. A lot of times the only emotion they can really show is anger because that's a masculine kind of emotion. When I look at when my husband and I first started dating, a lot of times he would just you know, shove everything under the rug, you know, kind of let it all build. And then finally, he would just blow up at me with all these emotions that he was, you know, higher, you know, didn't know how to process, didn't know how to communicate them, didn't know how to uh, talk to me about any of it. So then, you know, we would have these fights and it wouldn't go well. And I, I looked at that in, in our relationship and I thought, okay, we got to improve this. We got to get him out of this mindset of like, we can't talk about emotions. I need him to open up to me. So how do I do that? And there were a lot of things that I practiced with him. And it's, you know, over the years, that's what allowed us to build the communication and the emotional awareness to enter an E&M relationship. So I guess my question to you would be, in your dating history or in your life in general, are there certain relationships, certain factors like therapy or certain like eras in your life that kind of helped you build that emotional awareness and that communication? I think it's really just more an accumulation of my personal relationship experiences. Mm -hmm. I guess I've always been an introspective person. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes me more in touch with my feelings, but I I also think that men are more in touch with their feelings than people give them credit for. I do agree that society sometimes uh, will make that space feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally just recently, I post, <laughs> I do this thing, you know, fun fact, if you're on social media, if you, uh, if your first Instagram story uh, is a poll mm -hmm. of any kind, 
it will double, sometimes triple your engagement. Oh, good to know. Yeah. Um, And so I will utilize that. And, uh, you know, put up some random poll and I'll take a picture of something and I don't know. It doesn't really, the point is it doesn't matter. Like, do you like water or water? <laughs> like it'll still, you know, the, the algorithm doesn't care. I posted a picture of my dog and my girlfriend cuddling. Mm-hmm. They were literally cuddling. So I took a picture. It was a cute photo. And the question to my audience was, do you like to cuddle? It's like a stupid question, you know, like who doesn't like to cuddle? But surprisingly, I think there was like nine, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the results were. I didn't even look. Fascinatingly, there was a girl who uh, screenshotted that poll and suggested that I should put more energy and focus into challenging my male audience to be more in touch with their feelings. But before criticizing me on that criticized my question to my audience about cuddling mm-hmm. which was like ew why is he asking his audience about cuddling which it was just more like the hypocrisy of of all that was I, I thought it was fascinating because like this person was like you know critical of men and their inability to empathize with women or their feelings or therapy et cetera, et cetera. And two or three stories earlier was criticizing me for talking about cuddling. Now that was, you know, and I thought that said a lot about kind of the climate or culture that we're in. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, myself, I've never thought of myself as a, a more in touch with my feelings person than the other guy. You know, I think if you will, if you make men feel safe mm-hmm. to, to emote, they will. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you, if a, when a guy falls in love, you know, for all the criticism women might get by society for being crazy, mm-hmm. uh, when a guy's in love with a, a woman, they're batshit, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and and maybe that's because they often aren't given a, a safe space to be emotional. And so they might bottle it up or and maybe only express anger. And that's not to say that it's not men's fault to channel their anger more positively or or things like that, but it can be challenging, you know, like you don't even think about asking about cuddling and then you have like some random person like being like, ew, like why is a guy asking women about cuddling? That's creepy. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, men are often called creepy or weird or things like that or, you know, and it's just like, you know, we want our men to be more empathetic and in touch with their feelings, but we're all very, you know, especially people who watch The Bachelor, you know, people are tweeting very critical comments about how a guy might kiss or what he does. And it's just like, you know, at the risk of being called creepy or 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 weird or soft or not manly enough, then they kind of bottle it all in, you know. So um, I've never worried too much. Like, I definitely like it when people like me. I care about what people think about me. But not like it's never stopped me from being myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had a handful of relationships where like I, I, like I was the guy who had his heart broken. I've been broken up with, I've been cheated on. I've been ghosted in relationships, you know, like in a lot of people, like my first relationship, we dated off and on for seven years and she broke up with me like six times until I finally ended it. But it was, it was always her ending it, ending it because she met a guy, but all, but that was never what she told me, you know, yeah. like we were young and stupid and, we were dumb and probably both toxic and, and because we just, you know, I always kind of equate relationships to like 
it's a very powerful thing. No one really trains us how to fall in love. Mm-hmm. You know, movies certainly don't do a good job. It's actually quite no. the opposite. Yeah. Like uh, between the notebook and sex in the city, uh, those are just examples of just incredibly toxic people that we've fallen in love with um, and romanticized over. And, and that's literally the opposite of what people should communicate and handle their feelings. And yet, you know, we're 17, 18, 19 year old. It's like getting in a Ferrari or a race car Mm -hmm. without any driving license. So we often get it wrong and make mistakes and, and can do and say doc toxic things and get hurt and be hurt. And I guess as a survival mechanism, you know, again, I've, I've had, I've been the guy at the water cooler with a bunch of women at work asking questions like, well, why would she say that and do that? Like, what does it mean? You mm-hmm. know, what yeah. does all this mean? So all the advice I've ever given to people comes from a place of all I ever really, you know, like I don't really give advice to any type of person. I don't even give if I answer people's questions and my goal for anyone who calls in is to try to just give them the tools to not waste energy mm-hmm. on trying to figure out things they can't control and on what things mean or don't mean and kind of empower them to try to help themselves out navigate, you know, those kind of landmines. Cause I look back on my life and while I've had a really great life and I've had a lot of great relationships, I've wasted a lot of time and energy uh, trying to figure out people and trying to understand the why and 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 quite frankly waste a lot of energy on on people who probably didn't deserve it in the moment and um, that has helped me become more empathetic and in touch I guess with my feelings because but I don't think I'm I don't think I think I think a lot of all men feel and I think if they are given a safe space to feel that you would see more feelings. And again, that toxicity and that double standard, I think comes from society. It comes from men criticizing men. It comes from women criticizing men. And like, we're all, we're all, we're all kind of getting it wrong. And, you know, like you look at media, it's not exactly a, a healthy blueprint of finding and looking for love. No, I agree. You know, I don't know if that answered your question. I was like, no, no, no. I like that. But I really like that you mentioned, you know, giving men a safe space to to feel their emotions, because that's one thing that I always um, practiced with my husband when we were trying to improve our communication in the early years was validating his feelings. So, you know, first I'd be like, okay, what are you feeling? And he'd be like, I feel hurt. I feel this. I feel that. Whatever it was. And I would say, that's okay that you feel that way. Like uh, make him understand that like, it's okay to feel that and, and give him that safe space to be like, okay, now that I understand what I'm feeling, I understand this emotion or, and you know, now it's time to kind of process and go through and how to, how to work through it. So I agree. I think both men and women need to, to do a better job in relationships of, um, creating a safe space to process and identify and work through all of those emotions. At least for me, that's, what's been most successful in my relationship and has given us kind of that communication and that ability to, to talk about things like having sex with other people, emotions for other people. Like, you know, most relationships can't even fathom looking at their, you know, partner and being like, yeah, it's okay if you go, you know, have sex with someone else and then talk to me about it. And then, you know, most people can't fathom that. Whereas like with him, he has a girlfriend, he comes to me all the time and he's like, this is what we're going through, you know, and I give him advice. Like he, he gives me advice on the relationships that I have. And so like this space that him and I have created, I'm very proud of because we put a lot of work into making each other feel safe and opening up. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like next level 
feelings. But yeah, I think I think in general, I think uh, uh, I think a lot of couples, whether it's first love relationships or married couples, I think we often do a real. We often in, invalidate our partner's feelings on a regular basis, mm-hmm. um, or let alone like not even acknowledge them. Right. Yeah. Um, and if we do acknowledge them, it's often met with criticism. Like well, that's fucking stupid. Or yeah, why, why are you, you feeling, feeling that, that way? way? Yeah, that's weird. Or exactly. like why? Like why? You know, um, we'll get defensive, and uh, yeah, that's never a recipe for whether it's a monogamous or non-monogamous of. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think men and women are both equally bad at that in relationships uh, for for different reasons. I agree. Um, I did have a question in terms of, like, was there anyone that made you feel safe, or did you create that space for yourself? Like, was there, you know, someone that made you feel safe in coming to them with your emotions when you wanted to talk about them, or was it something like that a just partner? A partner, but it could be anyone. Could be a friend. You know, like a, when I was younger. I would I would always um it was always always older women. Like when I was in my twenties, uh, it would be like a coworker mm-hmm. who was like ten years older than me, married with kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd always kind of um bond. You know, that always in and it was usually in like and so I don't know if I did that, you know, like in my mom for for a while when early you know, early on. But as I got older, like so in my mid twenties, if I was going through relationship problems, I would always have like random people I would trust who weren't really in my circle. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were in my circle, like because I worked with them, but they had their own lives. But we formed a friendship or a bond, and it was usually a, a like a, a woman who was older that I felt safe. You know, kind of telling her how I felt about the situation. And again, I think I don't think I'm. Uh, I don't think I'm an outlier there. I think a lot of men, you just don't know about it because they don't feel safe. Um, I think, you know, they all have feelings. Um, you just got to find a way to get it out. And, um, and uh, yeah, that, but that's, you know, that's how it, my current girlfriend does now. But I think to that, to your point, like, she does a great job of making me feel safe, but I think you have to, you know, set those, you have to look for that. You have to make that a priority going into a relationship. And part of that safety comes from uh, while we were dating and, and before we were exclusive, we are already doing a good job of acknowledging each other's feelings and talking through uh, miscommunications or where we stood or, or things like that. And that allowed us to kind of carry it into the relationship. And I, uh, I think we're just kind of two people who prioritize that. So that works, but yeah, it wouldn't, um, I think it comes from a comment like you, you have to prioritize yourself. Your, your partner has to have it equally be a priority and you just have to practice doing it. I think it's funny that you mentioned an older woman that kind of gave you that safe space. I always have this kind of theory or perspective that it is essentially women in relationships that help men gain an understanding of their emotions or at least how to identify process, how to work through, you know, their feelings and communicate them. You know, that's usually who who sets that safe space. That's how I've yeah, always looked at it. I don't it. know. I mean, maybe I don't. I mean, I think back on those relationships. It was just them. I just felt they listened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
And they probably validated and didn't make you feel yeah. stupid. They, well, or they, well, what yeah. they didn't do is make me feel stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the, it was just, you know, I just, you know, it was a person who let me ask, like, you know, I'm a overthinker and I, I ruminate a lot. So high five. Me too. Yeah. But, definitely. um, um, yeah, that for me, that was the case. And I don't know if all, you know, all men do that, but I, I, I strongly think that if, if you, if most men, if you made them feel safe, would emote plenty. I, I wish that was what we saw more of. I, you know, I, I wish more men were, you know, were able to kind of explore that and, you know, be more in tune. I guess, you know, I've been married to my husband for six years. We've been together nine years almost. And now I've started dating in Los Angeles again. You know, um, we took about a year break from COVID and then I recently got on the dating apps beginning of this year. And as I go out and meet all these men, like they're all so closed off, like they're all, you know, they don't want to talk about their emotions. They don't want to talk about anything. And, they just, they don't know what they want. They don't know how to navigate or communicate anything. And so a lot of times it feels like pulling teeth, trying to get them to, to give me some sense of like where they are in their headspace so I can understand and yeah. evaluate their relationship. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get any better. No, I don't think it will either. Um, we're very critical of every, all what people say and do and, and we're critiquing every little thing. And so I don't think it's necessarily... I don't think we're in a climate where the average guy is feeling more safe about expressing their feelings. I don't know? think I social media social media helps it either. No, it definitely doesn't. I think people, you know, it's it's all face. But, but even there. now you have all these buzzwords, right? You know, gaslighting, narcissism, breadcrumbing, you know, you go on TikTok, everyone's a fucking expert. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and even annoying. even experts are kind of loose. I, I mean, there's this article on Cosmo. And my and Natalie, my girlfriend, brought up, and it was like hey, ten ways to spot a narcissist. Hey, DT fam, you know how important STD testing is, and how often we discuss it on our show, which is why I'm super stoked to be working with STDcheck.com. So whether you are with a new partner or you just want to stay on top of your sexual health. Maybe you have multiple partners or maybe you went to a sex party and forgot to use a condom. Whatever it is, it is super important for you to be maintaining your sexual health and that obviously includes STD testing. So stdcheck.com is the leader in reliable and affordable lab-based STD testing. I've done this many times, so I'm definitely a big fan of this. Basically, you order your test online and then go right to one of their certified labs get your testing done, no doctor visit is required, and then you do get your results emailed to you in about two days. What I love about stdcheck.com obviously is it offers confidential and convenient STD testing. This is how I typically do my testing, especially when I want to do a full, full panel. So with multiple online payment options, it's super easy to set up and also you just have that peace of mind. If you're looking for a super convenient way to go get tested, head on to stdcheck.com. And right now, stdcheck.com is offering our listeners $10 off your order. So go to doubleteamedfam.com. Of course, we'll have that linked in the episode description. Click on stdcheck and use code DTF to get $10 off your next STI test. That's doubleteamedfam.com. Click on STD check and use code DTF. 
to go get tested. And this is just a great way to support our show while you're taking care of your sexual health. So thank you guys. Go get tested. And it was by like a doctor who it was or, but it, you know, doctor or whatever. And, you know, I didn't read the details, but like the top, like the, the headline for each ones were, I mean, actually probably Google it a lot. Just, they were all incredibly vague, you know, like literally it, you could, any relationship could be like, Oh fuck, I'm dating a narcissist. I haven't read Cosmo in a long time. So I don't know. I haven't seen this article. Cosmo. But you, I agree. Everyone's on TikTok trying to give relationship advice on like, you know, how to be a man eater, how to, you know, win against all the fuck boys, whatever. And I'm just like, oh, this isn't the way we should be approaching it. I feel like it should be more about, you know, communication and, and understanding and not like how to win this game of, of dating, essentially. I agree. Hold on. Give me a second. I want to find this Cosmo. I want to hear it now. Sounds like it's going to be a good one. Incredibly vague, but a good one. 11 signs you're dating a narcissist. Let's hear them. They did everything to win you over in the beginning. That's incredibly vague. Don't a lot of people do that? You know? Yeah. They've done yeah. everything. Oh, okay. Huh? I don't. We, we put our best foot forward. That's kind of natural in a yeah. relationship. Yeah. That's what you're going to do. Um, anyway, it was just, yeah, it was stuff like that. It was just like, well, fuck, you know? And like, now you're getting all these people like, am I dating and gaslighting or whatever? We're all self-identifying. And like, I, you know, I give advice on TikTok, but it's really just more about empowering. And I, I like I, your advice. I certainly yeah. am not diagnosing anyone, but we read these things and, you know, we want to become more educated and we want to become more aware of toxic behavior. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, just the, like the word toxic, right? Right. Uh, is something we haven't even talked about, you know, five or 10 years ago. Uh, now suddenly everything we're starting to have yeah. conversations about like, you know, watching the notebook and these two people, it's like, fuck man, like the guy threatened to commit suicide if he didn't get on a first date, you know, like, yeah, let's talk. Wow. I didn't even think about that. Scene. Um, well, dramatic. I remember in your episode of Nikki Glaser, um, she was reading that book getting to I do or whatever. And she had mentioned how like, um, you know, what is it? Someone thinks and someone feels in a relationship. So like the masculine energy is like I think and then the feminine energy is like I feel. And if you want both in a relationship, then you're a narcissist. And I, and I remember when I heard that statement, I was like, in my relationship, you know, because you want to be respected for your thoughts and cherished for your feelings is what she said. Um, and so if you, yeah, I didn't really agree with a lot she had to say that day, yeah. but that was more, she was quoting the book, but hey, you yeah, know, the I book, love Nikki uh, and she definitely, you know, is a thought provoking person. No, I agree completely. But I, I, that was a thought provoking thing that she said was, you know, if you want both in a relationship, then you're a narcissist. And I'm like, well, fuck. I mean, I feel like I want to be respected for my thoughts by my husband, A. And then B, you know, I also want to be cherished for my feelings. Like I want both from him. Like, how does that make me a narcissist? And we have both of those in our relationship. You know, not only do I respect him as a person, but I also cherish his feelings. And I feel like he respects me as a person and cherishes my feelings. So in this environment, I don't feel like either of us are, are narcissists for for wanting that or wanting both. So no, I agree. There, there are a lot of things. Yeah. It's a challenge. Cause I definitely would like to see, you know, I'm proud of the male audience I have and they're just a bunch of sweet men looking for love, but send them my way. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and there's also like, listen, I mean, there's a lot of fucking terrible dudes out there. I mean, they're, they're, oh, yeah. you know, I've met quite a few. it's, uh, yeah. And, and they're dating more than, than one, you know, per, you know, like they've, they've probably have a, 
you meet one guy who's probably impacted 20 to 30 women's life negatively. That sucks. Right. Um, and there's a lot of shitty women out there who have fucked up some guys. So like we all kind of get it wrong. Um, it's a, it's a challenging world out there, but yeah, I don't really have a solution to how yeah, my fear is that it's, we're, we're not doing things that are necessarily cultivating, um, bringing people together, bringing men and women together to better understand each other. Because again, there's just so much lazy information out there and clickbait and think, you know, like Cosmo writes this article because like they know it'll get clicks because like, ah, oh, I don't even know how to spot a narcissist. And then like, it's incredibly vague, um, things, um, that can kind of be interpreted to apply to literally everyone. And so usually what happens is, you know, if you're reading it and you're in a healthy relationship, you don't think anything of it. But as soon as like the relationship goes a little bit sour, you go back to that article, you're just like, holy shit, I've been dating a narcissist. Maybe they're a dick and maybe they're selfish and, and maybe they need therapy and maybe they need to work on themselves. But the yeah, narcissist is it's a little bit more, you know, it's, I think people do it because if, if you find out you're dating a narcissist, it almost completely frees you from any responsibility in the role that you played. Absolutely. You know, like, well, I don't know. I was well, I think people you know, always like, want to cop out, you know, that yeah. like, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just them. They're gaslighting me. They're breadcrumbing me. It's not as if I did, you know, so they, they don't want to take responsibility. And I agree that we all get it wrong in the sense that, um, what you were saying about, you know, no one's necessarily doing it right. I see all the time. I follow the call her daddy subreddit and girls are like, this guy's doing this. What should I do? Everyone on there's like block ghost, leave him, dump his ass, like don't talk to him ever again. And after every relationship that I've had um, recently, which has been a lot. Um, you just send him my way. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but like, okay, I'm not saying I'm trying to heal the men of Los Angeles. Go into the, but, like dive into the Call Her Daddy subreddit and she's like, you know. You know yeah, I no, mean, but what Alex I... Alex is great and uh, she's certainly captivating. Um, yeah. Well, the subreddit is not her though. That's the people. No, I know. Yeah. And I'm just saying, but clearly that's... It's but it, it's women on there too. Yeah. Each other. I'm yeah. a big advocate in blocking. I mean, I think that's an absolute. I don't mind blocking, but what I'm saying is like, I wish more people took the time to kind of debrief after, like it, after I break up with a guy, I'll give it like a week or two. And then I'll be like, yo, this is what you, this is what I feel went wrong. This is where I feel like we could have improved things. Well, it depends on what the point of the yeah of doing that. But I mean, I mean by blo blocking should not be used as a tool to further a conversation. No. And people often do that. It should be a tool to protect your mental health or avoid any further stressful conversations with a relationship that's going nowhere. And you finally have recognized that this is a toxic situation. Mm -hmm. That's usually what it is. It's more toxic situations with people who are toxic or can be toxic. We've all been toxic in relationships. You know, if you, if people are really honest with themselves and had the benefit of like constantly being filmed and just watch, like we've all done some toxic shit. Mm -hmm. um, and often we meet people who can bring out the worst in us. And so we can be toxic. And if we realize this is a, in a situation we need to remove ourselves from and that, and then that person isn't respecting a boundary like, hey, like I just, and they're like, you know, we, again, we've been told to fight for relationships and fight for love. And sometimes that comes at the risk of not respecting people's boundaries. And I think in that case, it's blocking is a really great tool and to protect yourself. Sometimes we lack the willpower to not reach out or to not look at people's Instagram stories and, 
and stalk them. And, and that, again, that will affect our mental health. So in that sense, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for it. I don't think it should be used as a game to get people to notice that you block them because it pisses them off and then you unblock them. And you know. mm-hmm. well, I no, think that's I what most people use it for, though, to be yeah, honest. No. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. They, also, it's fine if you use it as a tool after the relationships that and done. But I'm saying I wish people took more time to kind of debrief after a relationship, hash things out a little bit more in the sense that like, you know, this is where I feel like you could have improved. And then maybe they'll give you an opportunity to think about things that you could improve on. And then you part ways. And if you want to block them, fine. Usually I will mute people like on Instagram or Snapchat, whatever. I'll mute them so I don't talk to them anymore after I'm like ready and done and fully over. But I do like to try and practice a a debrief just so that I can have an opportunity to discuss with them a little bit more about how we could have both improved things. I think that's great in like in a utopian society. I'm just saying, I feel like more men need to hear, you know, some of the things that, you know, like, hey, dude, maybe work on your communication. Like maybe no one will ever give them that review and they don't know that they need to. Yeah. I mean, again, in a utopian society, I think that would be great. (laughs) Um, It might not be the person they're going to listen to in that moment. No, that's fair. Unfortunately. And I do think what would be more beneficial to people in general is to just not require closure from the person that wasn't already giving them what they needed in the first place. Um, And then focus on getting closure from yourself by simply accepting that whatever you are in is not working for you and leaving. And then I think it's the debrief is nice, but I think realistically it's far more effective if you're able to circle back months later when you've both essentially moved on That's to fair. say, Hey, you know what, for what it's worth, I'm sorry. Um, I know you don't need that. I know you're fine. I'm fine too. But like, I recognize that I, I feel, you know, like I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to be right or I didn't see what I was doing because I was more focused on how you were hurting me. And that's essentially um, usually how I approach it is like I'll start off by saying like things that I recognize I did wrong where I where I learned things and then I'll, you know, kind of give them areas where I think they could probably improve on a little bit. But I usually wait a little while, um, you know, granted, you have to remember some of these relationships that I'm in are pretty short lived just because in ethical non-monogamy, you know, you kind of have that fun initial like physical phase and then they like start getting feelings and then they're like, I don't want to share you. And it's like, I'm already married. So then those end. So it's a very short time span. So then it's like the the after, you know, the debrief, you know, it doesn't need to be months later just from the perspective that like the relationship was only like two months long. But it was still a great learning experience. But I just I, I agree that overall in general, I think men and women need to improve on their communication and in relationships. And I would I just wish people ex- talked about their feelings more and more openly made people feel safe about it. And when someone comes to you with their feelings, then you'd be like, that's okay that you feel that way. I think that's great. And then, you know, that way you cultivate a safe space. You become a safe person for them. So Yeah, that, that'd be great. I think, yeah, it takes, sometimes it takes maturity and perspective. You know, it's tough because when someone says, I feel this, we have a tendency of getting defensive. We take it personally. We take it personally. Yeah. And then what does that say about us? And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a challenge. I don't, you know. That's I, I think people too. are inherently selfish. No, and, but I agree. Taking yeah. it personally, they always do. And that I, I, a lot of times, like, people always ask me, they're like, what if one day your husband wants to, you know, he finds someone that he wants to leave you for? And I'm like, 
that's his personal choice. I, I don't take it personally. If he decides someone else, no, I'm, I'm serious. So like if he decides, well, that's great, but you do have feelings. <laughs> no, I do. Of course I'd be upset. Like, of course it's not like I'd be like, Oh my God, great. Peace out. Like, love you. I, I would be sad. Of course. I but care, like, what is the role your marriage plays in your uh, relationship life? Because your relationship life, I guess maybe that's, I don't know if that's a proper term is more than just one person. Right. What role do you guys play in each other's life? So when I look at my husband, I see my life partner and my best friend. You know, in the beginning, we definitely have very, you know, we definitely had that more whirlwind kind of romance. And, you know, it was very um, fiery. I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. But, you know, we had those initial feelings. Yeah, passionate. Falling in love, all that good stuff. But now, like, when I look at him in my life, I see the person that is going to you know, be my life partner in decisions, you know, re- related to like our finances are, you know, where we live, like the things that we're doing with our lives. We tend to have a lot of the same goals in that, in that regard, but like at the core of it, we're best friends. And I like him as a person. Love, I think ebbs and flows. It's an emotion. You know, there are times where I'm like, it would be easier to be single. And then other times where I'm like, I can't live without this, me- can't live without him. But, uh, but Apart from the love aspect of it, like he is my best friend at the end of it all. So it, he, I, he is my life partner, and the the other and men. So that, am I. I'm also your life partner. Yes, you are too. Can do you have you do both of you have veto power for any partners you guys select? Do you have the ability to be like, listen, I can't tell you why, but I don't like them. Well, we have the agreement that we both need to like the person that has entered our like. So but can that change? It's like you might like someone in the beginning, but and then, then realize, yeah. be like, I, I, okay, we haven't especially, even- especially what if it like, what if you're not liking them is 100% your own insecurity and bullshit, but either way, it makes you feel less than and, and insecure and potentially toxic. Do you guys prioritize the relationship over that? Can you just say, I, I don't, I don't have a justifiable reason. They seem really kind and great. But man, they fuck me up. I can't have you seeing her anymore. I think that's fair. Um, we haven't encountered that yet, but we definitely prioritize our relationship over, um, you know, the others. I guess, it's, you know, because we are married legally and our finances are joined. So, like, we just tend to kind of have that hierarchical sense within our relationship naturally. But we do talk. We have before discussed, like, okay, what if we don't like the same person? You know, even though we don't date the same people, we date different people what happens in that regard. And I think the, the plan there is to just always keep, you know, communication with it and keep open communication and and see how it progresses. But we haven't encountered that. What about birthdays or holidays? What about them? Well, if your husband, let's say is in, you know, you're married and then Mm -hmm. he has a, you know, like one other girlfriend. Right. When she does. Yeah. Is, is she coming to the birthday party? Yeah, why not? I don't know. I'm just asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. She's a, she comes with us like to Vegas. Uh, she's coming with us to Greece and New York. Like she comes with us on all of our trips. So it's not like a out of sight, out of mind. No, no, no. She's definitely, yeah, she was over last night. Like, yeah, it's, it's she's uh, definitely integrated into our lives at this point. I suppose it's great for game night. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, know, like usually it's just like, oh, I want to play, but like. It's only you know what I really like about it? What I really like about it? I'm is, always there. Yeah, no, it's, it's usually kind of a little, you know, there's the four of us, Cammy and me and my husband and his girlfriend. I'm the third, fourth. What about, what about daddy? Oh, dad- oh daddy sometimes comes Sometimes to, he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. It just depends. But what I really enjoy probably the most out of it is that a lot of times she'll be on my side. So like, you know, I want pizza. I can see that. And he wants Thai food. And she'll be like, oh, I want pizza too. And then guess what? I have someone else on my side. So it's like two of us against one. I always love it when you and your husband fight and then me and his girlfriend are like, mommy and daddy are fighting. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's essentially what it's like. Well, yeah, but that's what I always say. Yeah, but then when they fight, I'm like, no, we need to fix this. Like, y'all, you need, you need to fix this right now. Whatever you did, apologize, communicate. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming you neither you're not a parent or do you want to be a mom? No, I don't want children, no. You don't want children? As far as I know, no. Okay. Uh, at this I'm moment. curious how that works in a, in a relationship with kids. It can. I mean, I, we, I know of people that have children and are still in like open relationships or ethically non-monogamous or polyamorous. Um, I mean, I think the thing there, cause people always tend to, you know, when they look at these, they're like, oh my God, how are the children affected? Like, is this safe for the kids? You know, that's where their mind immediately goes to. And I understand that. But a lot of times you have to realize, you know, when you, if, if children are raised in an environment where, you know, maybe they have two moms and a dad, that's just what's normal to them. So they're not going to think of it as weird. They're, you know, they're not without, if anything, there are more resources, more people to help out with raising the child. So, cool. and yeah. I mean, I've seen plenty of examples on Reddit and stuff where people are like, yeah, we have kids and, you know, they know of it and everything. Some kids don't know. It just depends on, you know, how open people are about it in general. But I, I always looked at it as like, okay, say for example, later on in life, I decide I want to have children. And I have my husband, maybe I have another partner and maybe a third one. I think three is a magic number. And now I want children with one of them or whoever, a child in general, then they can all help me, right? Then now we have four people to div divide all the tasks among instead of just two. So, yeah. You know. get more sleep. Exactly. You can divvy up the nights, Mondays and Tuesdays this person, Wednesdays and Thursdays that person. So far... Mm -hmm. You only have you and your husband have been the the focal point, right? And as you recently mentioned, that a lot of your other relationships are more in the temporary. Yeah, just because it's just hard to find. Um, do people who are in partners that are okay with it? Yeah, no, I get it. But do people who participate in the non-traditional relationships with kids is that a concern? With I get the additional help. Mm -hmm. But like the coming and going potentially of of temporary relationships, I can could see be that confusing for the for the younger ones. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, then it would be a matter of like you deciding when to introduce your children to certain. Partners. I guess it could just be like friends. It's like you know, it's, it's, yeah, that's just Uncle Tom. Yeah, and then from there, you you know, you can decide when to let them know that it's more of a relationship. But you know, it's kind of like say you're a single parent and you're dating, right? Do you introduce your children to all the people you date? Probably not. You just wait until the relationship's more established. Yeah. You go from there. And then when it's time to introduce the children to that, then they then you do. And then that's where, and then they probably just accept them because kids are usually pretty accepting. And that's how it goes. So that's how I would look at it at least. Cool. Yeah. I know it's different. And I always like to pick the brains of people that have like never heard of it before because it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, different perspectives and about it all. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I guess you could say I'm an advocate in the sense that uh, we are not monolithic in what our needs are when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. and, um, and for some people, it can be uh, what what the relationship needs. Because, yeah, I, you know, it's definitely better than the uh, cramming a you know square peg in a round hole, so to speak. You, you know. 
you need to get married and you need to do this and you need to have kids and you need to go to church and you need to do this and you have a lot of people living lies or the second family stuff in extreme situations and there's a lot of um, tragedy um, with the deceit and lies that, you know, for people trying to live lifestyles, they, they don't really want to, to lead. So I, I think for certain people, it, it works. I mean, to kind of tie it all in, in the various topics that we've discussed, you know, when you're in a marriage, you want to create that safe space so that you both feel like you can discuss your emotions, your feelings, you know, resolve those issues and those problems before they become something that you can't fix before you as a person you freak out and what do you do you cheat or you know you go do something that your partner's not going to be happy with and now because you lacked that communication in that safe space you did something that hurt the other person that is you know makes the relationship you know hard to recover from and so and that's why you know you have marriages that fail and relationships that end and stuff whereas that's what I was saying earlier when we were talking about infidelity and everything I think if people just took more time to discuss everything with their partners, what they're feeling, figure out how to, you know, communicate it to each other so that they can understand each other better, have more empathy in the relationship. Then from there, they can figure out solutions, whether that be ethical non-monogamy or not, could be a variety of things, but so that, you know, everyone's needs are taken care of. And then from there, you don't have things that stem from it, like infidelity and such. So, that's kind of how I tie it all in at the root of it all, which I always say is just if people communicated more, people had a better understanding of their emotions and everything. We'd have a lot better relationships in general, you know, whether monogamous or non-monogamous. We haven't even touched on the dominant lifestyle. Oh, geez. Oh, we can play a little game if you want. Do you want to try and guess what some terms are? Or I don't know. I think I'll do well, but let's go. Or we can do, we'll do some terms too. Okay. Okay, we'll start off with an easy one. Okay. I would say, yeah. Do you know what a switch is? No. Guess. What do you think a switch would be? In the realm of dom-sub kinkiness. Oh, we're talking about... Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you, have you ever dived into that community? I know nothing about it. Uh, have you watched Fifty Shades of Grey? No. Mm. Uh, I watched the show Billions, and there's a little bit of that in there. Oh, Billions. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I think I did watch that show. Uh, yeah. Is that a whip or some kind of? Switch. So a switch is like when you can be either a dom or a sub. So uh, okay. or, switch. Yeah, yeah, switch yeah. back and forth. Yeah. I know, right? Once you think of it, you're like, well, that makes sense. So for example, even though Kami's very much a sub, I would consider myself a switch. Depending on who I'm with, sometimes I'm more dominant. Sometimes I'm more submissive. Depends on what role the other person takes on. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I know. Now you know. What else? Okay, for the next one, this this is an acronym, and there are two of them. What do you think MMF means versus MFM? That might help you. Now, think of threesomes in this. MMF? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, so MMF versus MFM. So it's male, male, female, or male, female, male. Now, the difference here is... If it's MMF, it means that everyone plays together, right? So the men, maybe they're bi, maybe they're bi-curious, you know, they're not afraid of a penis, right? If it's MFM, it means the men don't touch. It's like the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, Eiffel Tower or London Bridge. How much do you and your husband... (laughs) Do we do this? I mean, 
or do any type of group play group play um in the beginning we didn't do it a lot um i would say beginning of this year when we got like on the dating apps and we started going to more of kind of the sex parties that's when we started doing more like this date you're about to go on with a couple oh, is that yeah. the goal like, why are you going on a date with a couple versus an individual? So they're actually both doms. I met them at, at the sex party that I was at last weekend. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, sometimes we play, like, with other, like, foursomes, threesomes, you know, that kind of thing. But usually we play separately, my husband and I. Now, with couples, they, they're both doms. So they're both the dominant role. Now I'm coming in as a submissive. So it's like a fun realm that you enter but with people. The expectation is you might group play with this couple. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they are polyamorous. So it could be something that has also an emotional connection or it could be just a physical connection. That's the thing about ethical non-monogamy. Um, you know, it can be just physical connections or you can venture into more emotional connections and that's where it becomes polyamory, right? So I'm very fluid. I kind of just see what the energy is like with someone um, or people and then, you know, see kind of how it goes from there, communicate, what I want out of the relationship after kind of I get a little bit of a sense of what it what I want essentially and then move forward from there. I would say with the kinky world, it's like a mindset. Yeah, you kind of it, me you, as a sub is different from me as a normal person. Absolutely. And so, like I, you, yeah. can, you enter a realm if that makes sense. It's like a little mind game. Yeah, not a game. It's just a. It's little like a world. world. Yeah, it's a world. So for me, like when it's. The dude that I call my dom, obviously, we hang out on a regular basis. So in that aspect, like, you know, we go to dinner, we go see shows together, we, you know, but then, and we act as, you know, our normal people. And then in the bedroom, he is my... So it's just a bedroom thing, like... Mm -hmm. But it can, can be, like it can be 24-7. a glass of water. It can be 24-7. Or like you would never ask the dom do a favor. I, I mean, I can kindly beg him for a glass of water. I so for example, and, if you is that, is that like you only do that because it turns you on. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the point of like? Well, I guess calling for, in a favor. Um, I mean, this isn't it nice to like have a partner to rely on and count on, short of like. Well, as a submissive, scratching a kink. Well, as a submissive, but I'm a little so, which means I like to be essentially like babied almost um but and it's like an emotional thing so but i have the kinks of like degradation and praise so um now i will say dom sub you can be 24 7 like if you were a caller you know if you let your your dom you know dictate other areas in your life which i don't some people take it that far yeah, yeah. some people have contracts that sounds toxic. I don't, is it? No, 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 no. They're it's, very endearing relationships. Yes, they're very endearing relationships. So you think no matter how severe it can get, it can always be okay. Now there's fake doms and they'll, you know, they'll abuse that power, but it's always. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, to your point, no, that's not to say that every single one of those relationships is absolutely solid because there are people that overstep their boundaries, but. Well, yeah. I mean, in, in traditional relationships, there's toxic relationships. Yeah, too, exactly. It seems like that would. It'd be like a pressure cooker for it. Yeah, I risk. I think it's I fun. I, for me, being a sub, it's I don't have. Control. Can you ever break character and be like too far? So you, oh, you have yeah, safe, like words. A safe word. Yeah. So you, I use the green, yellow, red system. So for example, if they're doing something that's good and I like it, green, green, green. The second that they usually, you're not sitting there like green. You know, you're not yelling it the whole time. But 
you know, you let them know that what they're doing is good and you're enjoying it. Right. So now if they start taking it too far, then you can, you know, say yellow and they'll understand that. Or if they've gone way too far, then you say red and it like stops everything. And that's when... Like, I don't use that. I would say for me and my dom, whatever. What's the safe word you use? Yeah, well, we don't even, well, I guess it's, more, yeah. it's the way I say daddy. That's how he knows that I'm. You're very committed to this character. Yep. Is it, is it disrespectful to call it a character? I'm sorry. No, it's, you okay, can call it that if you want. I don't uh, take offense to that. Now, I don't know if other subs would like take offense to being called a character, but for me, like. like it feels like you're playing a role. Like you said, you, you, are, you are on and off or, or. Yeah. But I'm more fascinated by the 24-7 where you're just like, you know, not today, buddy. I'm just not <laughs> in the mood for you to like be telling me what to do. I don't know. I am <laughs> curious what the boundaries would be around that because 24-7, I mean, you'll literally be like, good morning, daddy. Can I do this? Or good morning, sir. It depends on what terms you use. Like, can I do this? And then your dom will be like, no, you can't do that. Or yes, you can do that. So the 24-7 can be very committed, but... Not for me. Yeah. Mm. I, don't, I could never do 24-7. I'm way too type A. I, I just don't think I could ever... Do that in general. In general. So yeah. that, definitely not outside of the bedroom, that's for sure. Yeah. My my Dom and I, we we kind of play around with that because we just it well, it then it just kind of becomes outside of the bedroom, it like becomes a game for us. Well, like how do you I can't deal like I just I I I need an equal power dynamic in my relationship. Mm. Like I just I don't know how to operate otherwise. And that's how I am too in my normal relationship. But I think that's what I like about the dom sub world. It's like the second you step in, if I'm the sub, at least I'd, I prefer being a sub just because, but that's why, because I, I step into that and then I'm like, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think about what I need to do. I don't have to think about power. Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. And like, we both get our have fun Have you ever out watched Bonding on Netflix? <gasps> you should no. watch Bonding on Netflix. What? There are two seasons, really short. Highly recommend. Yeah, those episodes are super short. You can binge that while cooking dinner. Yeah. We finished we'll season two. Yeah. yeah. We'll give you that little homework assignment. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Like in my normal relationship, uh, granted, okay, I will say this. My husband and I do not do dumb sub. He is not the dumb type. He understands that I go take care of that need with other people. He's totally cool with it. But in my relationship, there's definitely an equal power dynamic. And I need that too. I need to feel as if I'm also, you know, respected and everything. But when I step into that realm, I want to release all my power and I just want someone to tell me what to do. Does that make sense? I get the logic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't relate, but yeah. yeah. Interesting. It, I'm, I'm the, I reject the opposite. It's, I find it to be an incredible turnoff. If, Interesting. If, if, if my partner, uh, especially outside, especially outside of the bedroom and even in the bedroom, not like necessarily a huge fan of it, but like the baby talk or the submissive or the... There's not always baby talk. Submissive no, it's can be yeah, like yeah, but, but praise this, degradation. Yeah, it's just not for me. That's uh, okay. It doesn't yeah. have to be for I don't everyone. Need, I, I've, I, not, that's just me. I need to... Uh, I want to, yeah. That's okay. I don't think I'll ever be into that. That's totally fine. It doesn't have to be for everyone. And that's what I say too with ethical non-monogamy. It doesn't have to be for everyone. I just want more people to understand it so they can just not think it's so weird. Now, dom sub world, that's different, but I, that's more normalized, I guess I would say that, yeah, people think it's weird. They're like, I don't want to do that, but, you know, no one looks at it. It's like, you know, you're wrong for doing that. I mean, I personally understand the open relationship idea more than I understand <laughs> the dom, dom sub. sub. <laughs> that's interesting. I like that. Especially outside of the bedroom. Yeah, 24 I don't. I can never do it either. We're not 24-7. I can't. No judgment. That. I'm just saying. No, I, no, I, no. I, 
that, that's just me. That's totally understandable. No, I, I take no offense. Well, I'm not. I don't know if I'll go with any of these other terms because I don't think you'll get any of I them. I probably don't know any of them. That's okay. The reason we say is because whenever um, Kimi got on Field, Field is an app like Bumble or Tinder, but it's more geared for people who are interested in, um, you know. Yeah, the kink world or open relationships, people that aren't looking for traditional relationships, if that makes sense. That's the best So way. everyone on field knows the acronyms. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. When she got on field, she was like, I don't even know what half these acronyms are. So half no, the, she I would, yeah. So we both learned because I'd be like, what is CNC? And we'd Google it and be like. Consensual non-consent. Yeah. Or like DDLG. Daddy, Daddy dog, dog. Little girl. There's yeah. a lot. There's yeah. a lot to Whoa. it. Well, even with, you know, ethical non-monogamy, granted, we've been doing this four years, having an open relationship. It wasn't until I hopped on Reddit that I realized there's like a whole list of vocabulary to learn about it. And I'm like, I've been doing this for years and I don't even know what all of these are. And so that's I another- I learned what a comet meant today. What's a comet? A comet? Yeah. Explain it because I have no idea. Basically, it's like a partner that you- it's like a, you know, like a fleeting star. You see them when you're in this area, but outside of that, you like, you don't really see them. So it's just like, that's what they call a comment. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, you know, let's say you travel and you go to, I don't know, New York a lot. And maybe when you're there, you see this one person every now and then. I do have a dude in Miami. So he would be my comment. There you go. There. I have a comment. So, well, we definitely thank you for joining us today. This has been very, uh, Insight, interesting, insightful. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot. Good. I'm glad you did. Like I said, I, I always like to hear from the perspective of people that aren't very familiar with it. Um, and like I said, I've always, you know, thought highly of, you know, your advice, your, um, the content that you put out on social media in relation, in relation to relationships. So, uh, I definitely appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. I like the, uh, healthy outlet it can be for some people. Um, And I think what's cool about both these worlds is that uh, there seems to be a lot of, you know, we talk so much about boundaries in monogamous relationships and how we, we don't respect them. And whether you're into either of these uh, worlds, there is an overwhelming amount of communication and respect for boundaries that mm-hmm. I think that could be some things that the more traditional monogamous relationships could uh, practice benefit from i agree completely well that's what we always say two things we fuck with boundaries and condoms yep yep (laughs) well thanks for having me ladies it's been a pleasure thank you thank you